Well, good morning. Um, yes, like Pastor Tom said, my name is Liz Joyle, and I'm excited to be um, bringing the message to you this morning on this 50-degree day after quite a weekend of weather. Um, I work for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, which is a national college ministry, and in my work with students, it never fails. Um, every year, I meet multiple students from places like Florida, Hawaii, international students, um, people who have never seen snow before. And then they come to New England for college. Some of them, I don't know if any of them are here today from those places, come to the Worcester Hills, where there always seems to be three or four more inches of snow than anywhere else in the state. But what do they say? They say, I can't wait to see snow. I've never seen snow before. And then um, what I really love, though, is not just hearing that, but then later, when the snow falls, okay? So the snow has fallen, and these same students are like, oh my goodness, I'm standing on snow. Take a picture of me. Someone take a picture of me. It's beautiful. They are filled with amazement at something that they have never experienced before. So as a native Bay Stater, like many of you, perhaps, Um, I was born shortly, very shortly after the blizzard of 78, so I have seen a lot of snow. But being around people who have never experienced snow before brings back the wonder of a snowstorm to me. The beauty of snow falling, covering rooftops, making snowmen, having snowball fights, hot chocolate, things like that. All because the jet stream, the amount of moisture in the air and the temperature have reached this perfect spot for a snowfall to occur. It's actually pretty amazing. But I guess that some of you might want to remind me of how long you needed to shovel yesterday. And maybe perhaps how your back hurts today because of it. And I just want to say I've been there. I'm there right now. Um, and I know it's, that's our experience. But I want to see what the Lord might have for us today with this idea of wonder. So wonder, we've reached the last, um, the fourth and last week of Advent, and the last week of our Advent series. It's hard to believe that Christmas is actually next week. So Advent is the season used for reflection and for preparation. It's a season where we look back at the first coming of Jesus and look ahead to the second coming. We've been reflecting on the core of the Christian message these last few weeks that God took on human flesh and dwelled among us to save us from our sin and ourselves. So three weeks ago, just to take you back, Paul kicked us off by talking about this Advent theme of waiting, persevering in prayer and waiting for God to work and move on our behalf and on the behalf of others. Two weeks ago, Len talked about paying attention to the warnings of Jesus, given to us out of love and to protect us and to save us and to heal us and to restore us and keep us on the right path. And then last week, Lou talked about welcoming Jesus, accepting the welcome of Jesus afresh into our own lives and offering that welcome of Jesus to others around us. So today, again, we're talking about wonder, what it means to wonder as we reflect on the first coming of Jesus to the earth 2,000 years ago, and what it means to wonder as we anticipate the second coming of Jesus to earth. So what is wonder? I looked it up to get a definition that we could all work with today. So wonder 
is a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. So like the, like the joy of the students who have never experienced snowfall before. Something totally new to them that leads to these experiences of surprise and admiration. So these students show a picture of what wonder is. So when we think about wonder at Christmas, I think it's, it's easy to think about candlelit scenes, a Christmas tree all lit up in the dark, beautiful decorations, um, which are all wonderful things. But what do we learn about wonder from Jesus' birth and coming to earth? So to dive into this idea, I want us to look closer at what is probably, possibly, a very familiar Christmas passage to us. Tiff read it to us between worship songs um, last week. It's the passage that Linus reads aloud in A Charlie Brown Christmas, if you're familiar with that animated Christmas special. And my dad still reads this to the family every Christmas when we gather together. So if you're new to church, and this is a new story to you, I think that's actually totally great because you might have an advantage because you're hearing it fresh. So turn with me to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 20. So this passage comes, the, the story of Jesus' actual birth has just been told. Um, he's just been born. And then we come to, we're again, we're in Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. Let me read it for us. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by, at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good no news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told." So there's a lot that we can actually take from this familiar passage, but there's just four things that I want to point out to us today. So first, I want to talk about the, the phrase, do not fear. Um, perhaps we have heard this passage many times, um, so we don't actually wonder at it. We aren't actually awestruck at what's happening. But I want to look closer at these shepherds and the experience that they have. So let's unpack this a bit. In verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. The shepherds are just minding their own business, doing their job. They were normal, everyday people just going about their work. 
And then, though, something truly remarkable happened. Something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, and inexplicable, if we think back to the definition of wonder. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And not only that, but verse 9, the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. So why were they so afraid? Why were they terrified? So we have to actually think back to the instances of the glory of the Lord in the Old Testament. In the history of the Jewish people, we remember passages like Exodus 40, where it says Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And 2 Chronicles chapter 7, the priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled it. So throughout the Old Testament, when the glory of the Lord is revealed, people were afraid because they were not worthy as sinful people to stand and be in the presence of a sinless God. And we're talking here, though, about priests and Moses, maybe the most godly person in the Old Testament, couldn't approach God's glory. And so then fast forward, here we're talking about shepherds. And though shepherding, we might remember, it was a pretty noble occupation in the time of the patriarchs in the Bible. The wealthy sons, if you remember, of Isaac and Jacob, they tended flocks. Um, it, was, it was a noble profession to have. At this time, um, when we pick up the story here in Luke 2, it no longer was. Uh, when the 12 tribes of Israel migrated to Egypt, um, they encountered an agricultural lifestyle of the Egyptians who actually despised shepherding. Because why? Because sheep and goats and animals like that meant death to crops. So over the course of centuries, the Egyptians prejudiced the Jews against shepherding, what had um, before been a very noble profession. But it's a job that still needed to be done, and so it became the labor of the working and lower classes. So Jesus was born into a culture where smug religious leaders actually maintained a strict, almost caste system at the expense of shepherds and other common people. So shepherds were, also, were often labeled sinners in a class of despised people. So they were despised by religious people of the day. So no wonder they were terrified. They, of course they were terrified when the angel and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. They had every reason to be fearful because God's glory was known to consume people in the Old Testament. But what is the first thing that the angel says? The angel says, do not fear, to assure them that what was happening was actually not something to fear, but something to wonder at. Instead of being afraid, the shepherds were to wonder, to be excited by this, this unexpected and a surprising event that was happening. God's glory had appeared to them. This is something to wonder at. The glory of the Lord was revealed to them, and they lived to tell about it. And this time the Lord came not to destroy or purify by fire, but in verse 10, to bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Jesus was coming. He had come to save and rescue his people. And if that wasn't enough, so we've got an angel that appears to the shepherds, and then the glory of the Lord, whatever that looked like to them, appeared. Then in verse 13, we see suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom God's favor rests. So we're talking about like an army of angels. So not just one angel, but an army of angels who appear. 
When Jesus was born into this world, God showed himself to be an awesome God who showed his kindness to his people in the form of peace and grace, like the heavenly host declares. And this same thing is going to happen when Jesus comes again. In Revelation 5, you'll see it on the, on the slide, the Apostle John records the vision that God is giving him for the second coming. It says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. When he comes again, when Jesus comes again, it is going to be an awesome thing to wonder at. Multitudes upon multitudes of angels and every earth, every creation on the earth declaring the glory of the Lord. So now, though, back to our shepherds. In the midst of all that they experience, the angel says, do not be afraid. Why? Why should they not be afraid? Because there is good news here. A Savior has been born, the Messiah. That's why they are not to fear. That's why we are not to fear Jesus coming to earth before and not fear him coming a second time. If we know him, we are assured of his peace and grace that this heavenly host and the angel declare. And this peace on earth that they declare this is a peace far greater than the Roman Empire of the time um, could promise. It was a peace between God and man that the empire promised, that the emperor promised. Um, but this is so much greater than that. The angels are declaring a peace far greater and is something to truly, truly wonder at. So a question for us this morning is what tempts us to be initially fearful or afraid like the shepherds? Why are we sometimes afraid to approach God? Probably for some of the same reasons as the shepherds. Maybe like them we feel unworthy. We've done too many things that we regret. Maybe we're embarrassed in his presence. We don't feel good enough. But God chose the first people to hear about Jesus' birth to be these lowly, unpretentious shepherds. Author Randy Alcorn writes, what an affront to the religious leaders who were so conspicuously absent from this divine mailing list. Even from birth, Christ moved among the lowly. As Mark says in his gospel, it was the sinners, not the righteous, that Jesus came to say. This is who Jesus came for. We may hear this story or read this story every year, but we actually can't, we can't let ourselves cease to wonder at the amazing thing that is happening, that God sent his son to live among us in this world to bring us peace and a restored relationship with him, and that God revealed that news first to this band, this group of unsuspecting, lowly shepherds, people like us who often feel unworthy of God's love. And what's amazing to me is God didn't just send them a note or maybe a telegram, whatever mode of um, communication they had back then. He opened the heavens to the shef, um, for the shepherds to see the, a glimpse of the glory of the Lord. What an amazing thing to wonder at. So do not fear is the first thing that we see. But secondly, 
wonder leads us to seeking God. When we move beyond fear, like the shepherds, we are freed up to seek God. In this passage, the angels leave, and the shepherds are left there as usual, life as usual. It could be as if nothing happened. They could go back to tending their flock, but we see that's not what they do. Something amazing has just happened. They have seen a big glimpse of the glory of the Lord, and their lives are going to be forever different. It would actually, if we think about it, it would be ridiculous and implausible for them to do nothing after what they experienced. But then we see verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem, see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They went pretty quickly with urgency. Their wonder at this news propelled them immediately forward to seek out this baby. We also see a similar thing happen later in Jesus' ministry as he's among the people. Mark records this statement. It'll be up on the slide, Mark 9, 15. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Wonder causes us to move to action, to seek God. That's why it's actually really important for us to have wonder in our lives, to cultivate wonder in our lives, because a lack of wonder is actually poisonous to us because it keeps us from seeking after God. We have to continue to wonder at the reality that God came into this world as a poor baby born in a stable to live among us and ultimately die to forgive our sins. Without this, the incarnation becomes just a story that we've heard before, but it's not. It's so much more than that. It's way more than that. It's actually a universe-altering event that has changed the course of human history and our ultimate destinies personally and collectively. And the story isn't over yet. Jesus is coming back again. So we need to figure out how to cultivate wonder at the incarnation in our lives so that we can continue to run to Jesus like the shepherds do in this passage and the people later in Mark 9. So I love being part of a ministry on campus that does evangelism to college students because I often get to see the wonder of new believers in the gospel like these shepherds. And it's, it's easy to be encouraged by this But what is just as encouraging is seeing the wonder in the eyes and in the lives of those who have known Jesus for decades, because that they know that every day there is more to discover in life with Jesus. So I've never been there, but Paul tells me how much he loves and enjoys the times that he gets to visit our seniors' Bible study here at The Journey on Tuesday mornings because it's one of the most lively gatherings that happens here at the church. I don't know if any of you are here. I think the seniors are mainly 11 o'clock folks, but I want to be like you all when I grow up, living a life of faith that is vibrant and growing because of your wonder at Jesus. I am so glad that I'm a part of a church that has brand new believers and people who have been walking with God for longer than I've been alive. So wonder leads us to seeking God. Third, wonder leads to spreading the word. So again, the shepherds, they first, they turned away from fear. And then next, 
they ran to Jesus. And third, we see that this wonder that they are experiencing leads them to spread the word about what they've seen. Just as soon as they have seen Jesus, this baby lying in a manger, the shepherds immediately turned into evangelists. Verse 17, it's very straightforward and simple. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. So what exactly did they see? We have to realize that the scene that the shepherds saw was actually pretty ordinary. Unlike some artists' representations of the scene, they were looking at a simple baby in a stable. There was no halo around Jesus' head, probably not around Mary's head either or Joseph's. There was probably no light emanating from his body. The shepherds ran to see a simple baby in a manger, but this baby was the second person of the Trinity that the angels had declared to them. It was true they were seeing. A savior had been born, the Messiah had come, and they are forever changed because of this. I love the way that Christian apologist Francis Schaeffer describes what probably happened to the shepherds. He writes, having had this overwhelming experience in the midst of their normal environment and having believed in the savior, can we imagine one of the shepherds remarking, it's very nice that I've seen an angel and it's nice I've seen the Christ, the Messiah, the Jews, the one that Jews have been waiting for for so long. It's, it's nice that I've believed in him and that I'm going to be in heaven. But really, in practice, it's not going to make any difference at all in my life. Francis Schaeffer says, this is inconceivable. Of course this is inconceivable. Their world has just been rocked and their lives have been changed. They had to be filled with wonder at what had happened to them. Just as soon as they had seen Jesus as a baby, immediately, it says in scripture, when they had seen him, they spread the word. Very simple. They couldn't help themselves. That's what they had to do to tell others what they had experienced and what had been told about them, about this child, which is the good news, the gospel. So see these shepherds, they were literally the first evangelists. And let's think about them. These are lowly shepherds. They didn't wait until they had it all figured out. They didn't wait until they'd gone to seminary. As good as that is, they didn't wait until they had taken classes. They immediately shared the gospel. Why? Because they were filled with awe and wonder and couldn't keep it in. So what can we learn about sharing the gospel today in our world and the worlds that we walk in like the shepherds did in their world? How can we allow ourselves to be captured by the wonder of God coming to earth in human flesh? How can we be like the shepherds and share the wonder of Jesus' birth and the good news that caused great joy? They couldn't contain this news. Why do we? The shepherds didn't let their inexperience with religion or lowly status in society keep them from sharing about Jesus. Now, I'm sure they tripped over their words. I'm sure they didn't tell the story exactly right, and they didn't say things just right. But what happened? Verse 18 And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, I can't promise that every person that you share the gospel with is going to be amazed like these people here. It's happened to me. Not everyone is amazed. It's okay. But, you know, some may reject it, but we we shouldn't make that decision for them. We're never going to know unless we try. 
college student that I know named Jacob um, has tried to share the gospel with his teammates on his baseball team on campus multiple times, but has constantly been rebuffed by them. One of his teammates even said to Jacob earlier this semester that he believed that his Christian faith was false and that Jacob was living his life based on a lie. But Jacob persisted in prayer for his teammates and actually had an opportunity recently to share his own faith story and the gospel with his entire team recently. And this same friend who ridiculed Jacob before instead responded by saying, thank you so much for sharing this story with me. I can't tell you how much this means to me. And there were tears in his eyes. So may we be like the shepherds and like my friend Jacob and share this good news of great joy with abandon. Lastly, wonder leads to praising God. After the shepherds share the gospel, they praise God. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard. Their experience of wonder and amazement at what was happening around them, that the Savior of the world had been born, and they had been a part of seeing it, they got to partake in the experience, it led them to praise God. After their journey from the field outside the city to a stable in Bethlehem and then spreading the word, this experience led them back to do exactly what the heavenly host was doing earlier, praising God. Again, these ordinary, lowly shepherds were getting to experience the joy of praising God like the angels, like these multitude of angels were doing, because the shepherds let themselves get caught up in the wonder and the amazement at what had happened to them and what the Lord had done. So again, the shepherds, they turned away from fear. We see that they ran to Jesus. We see them spreading the word. And then we see them praising the Lord. We're going to end our time um, worshiping the Lord with a song about who he is and how he will reign forever, which I think is so appropriate. But first, how do we cultivate wonder in our lives? How do we emulate these ordinary shepherds, everyday people like us, who are trying to make it in this world but who are enraptured by the incarnation, the gospel of Jesus coming to this world to save us. The invitation for us is to be like them, to resist being fearful of approaching the Lord, but running to him instead. The shepherds seek out this baby in a manger like we can seek out knowing more about God. We must run to things like scripture and community None of us can consider ourselves to have arrived at a total understanding of everything about God. None of us can say that. There's always, always more to learn. Scripture is filled with truths that we haven't even considered yet. I still remember the first Bible study that I ever went to as a college student my freshman year. We read the story together of the prodigal son. So the, son, the story of the son who leaves his father, engages in wild and excess living, um, leaves, um, has this crazy life, but then later realizes um, what he's done, returns, begs for, you know, returns, begs for forgiveness, and the father welcomes him in with open arms. So lots of people who don't go to church know the story. It's a, it can be a very common story. I had read it 
tons of times before. I'd heard sermons about it as someone who'd grown up in church. Um, But in that Bible study with some other people who I was just getting to know as friends, I could not believe how many things in that passage I had not seen before, how many things I hadn't considered, details about what was going on. There was so much that I had missed. Truth that I just hadn't even seen before. And 20 years later, I still sit, I sit in my life group here at the journey. Sometimes I'm leading the discussion about some scripture. And as my journey, my life group friends and I are diving into scripture together, I am often stunned and amazed as I realize new things about Jesus. And I'm the one leading, you know, we're always learning new things. I wonder at the new things God is teaching me all the time. There are always new things to learn about this incredible story and the Christian worldview. And by immersing ourselves in scripture and by immersing ourselves in community and friends who can teach us new things, we are setting ourselves up to have this wonder in our lives, a wonder at the incarnation that causes us to run to God, to share the gospel, and to praise the Lord who is so glorious. Um, this, a God that we have no business approaching, but who showed himself to these shepherds and shows himself to us. He comes with this news of great joy that he has come to save us and make a way for us to know him and to draw near to him both right now and forever. So I want to end there. and I just want to pray for us that we would be able to be people of wonder, especially during this season. So let's pray. Lord, this last week of Advent, we thank you that you have loved us so much that you came into this world to save us. We praise you. Help us in the busyness of our lives to not grow complacent with this miraculous story or your love for us. Help us be people like these shepherds who are not marked by fear, but by boldness. Help us to experience the wonder of your birth in this world with a fresh experience of you that can lead us to sharing the gospel with others and back to worshiping you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.